This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today we have an update on the Moose Jaw pork plant fire from yesterday. Operations are expected to resume today. Workers at the Cargill Beef Plant in High River vote 71% in favor of a new contract, avoiding a threatened strike or lockout. Farm Credit Canada unveils expanded loan programs for young farmers. The grasshopper forecast doesn't look great for next year. Real Agriculture looks at succession planning on the farm. We have an update on the flooding impact on farms in British Columbia. And the NDP and the Saskatchewan Legislature raise concerns about a SAS party letter to APAS. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain. Helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. No one was hurt in a fire at the Thunder Creek Pork Plant in Moose Jaw yesterday. Moose Jaw Fire Chief Rod Montgomery says the cause of the blaze is still under investigation. Crews remained at the scene from about noon to 5.30 p.m. No, uh, nobody was hurt. All the employees are safe and certainly all our firefighters as well. Any ideas to the cause yet? Well, we're not 100% sure. It's still under investigation, so that's undetermined at this time. How long were you at the scene? Uh, we were there uh, in and around five and a half hours in total. That was shutting down and getting things picked up. But, yeah, it was it was a fairly long process as the fire was up in the, in the roof line. I understand it was in one of the processing rooms. How big an area did it affect? Well, most of that processing room that was involved, so I, the exact footage... I'm not 100% sure, but that whole pitched roof where it started was pretty much destroyed. Will they be able to do any processing at all, or has it been has to be shut down for now? Uh, no, I think uh, we're you know our inspectors up there working with them right now, and they will be open again today, so they will be processing today. The uh, they may uh, you know be doing things a wee bit different, but uh, they'll still be able to. Uh, I mean, I would check with the plant as far as if you're delivering there and that, but it sounds like it pretty much will be business as usual. And you had to use an aerial ladder to contain the fire from above? Yeah, that was certainly the decision made, and I think it was a wise choice. And it was, Because it was up in the roof line and fires like to burn up and out, it was still uh, it was a good call by the officer, and it worked well. Do you see really you were able to contain the blaze to one area? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's probably uh, smoke was the probably the biggest spreader throughout the building, and um, but I know any of the livestock that were in their pens, and that, the best of my knowledge, there was no uh, really um, damage to that area other than there was smoke spread throughout, and 
probably throughout the whole building, but it was light smoke in some of the lower areas up above in some of the change rooms and what have you. They had a little more smoke, but I would say uh, certainly manageable, and uh, they should, like I said, business as usual. Fire Chief Rod Montgomery, anything else to add? Have I missed anything? No, I think the biggest takeaway is everybody got out safe. All the employees were safe, and... uh, uh, no firefighters, so that that's a good thing. Rod Montgomery is the fire chief in Moose Jaw. Workers at the Cargill Beef Plant in High River, Alberta, have voted in favor of a new contract. More than 2,000 workers voted 71% in favor of the deal. The plant handles about 36% of Canada's beef, and a strike lockout was scheduled for yesterday, which could have put the beef industry into turmoil. Last year, a temporary shutdown due to the coronavirus caused a backlog of cattle going to market for months and affected prices. The union at the Cargill plant said the deal included a $5 wage increase, 21% over the life of the contract, along with $4,200 in retroactive pay for many workers. The deal also included a $1,000 signing bonus, $1,000 COVID-19 bonus, and more than $6,000 total bonus for many workers just before Christmas. It also offers improved health benefits for workers. Workers at the JBS Foods plant in Brooks, Alberta, which handles a similar amount of beef, heading into bargaining for a new contract in the new year, and those workers will be hoping for a similar deal or better. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Seedmaster. No matter what you grow, Seedmaster has the ultimate seeding solutions for better crops and bigger profits. Seedmaster.ca. Farm Credit Canada is expanding financing opportunities for young farmers and food business owners. The Director of Lending Products and Sustainability, Curtis Granger, says the maximum loan for the young farmer and young entrepreneur rises from $1 million to $1.5 million. We have the young entrepreneur loan and the young farmer loan. So those uh, we're expanding the uh, threshold on those products. So before they were $1 million thresholds per uh, per kind of family unit there, and we're expanding that to $1.5 million. So um, it's really about improving access to capital that allows young people, you know, farm families, producers, and business entrepreneurs really to, you know, enter the agriculture value chain and grow their business and pursue their dreams and uh, in this strong and diverse industry. So that's the young farmer loan and young young entrepreneur loan. So the limits have been increased there. And then on the uh, FCC starter loan, we've actually increased it from 50000 to 150000 And uh, before the starter loan was a little bit more focused on kind of that, it was more of a, I'll say a young person product. And now we're really expanding it to be more of a new entrant product. So, you know, it still for sure supports young producers, but also, um, you know, helps people of all ages, whether it's farmers or entrepreneurs, enter agriculture in the food industry. How hard a business is it to get into? Agriculture is tricky, right? It's a capital intensive industry and, um, you know, people need, people need capital to get in. So this is FCC's effort to, you know, try and reduce barriers where we can to help people get involved. So what kind of uptake have you had with these programs so far? Yeah, so the uptake's been really positive. Since uh, since April 2019 there, FCC's approved over uh, 6,700 of these uh, loans specifically tailored for young producers with almost um, you know $2.1 billion going out to the market. Again, why has FCC decided to go this route? Why raise these? 
Yeah, well, uh, as as everyone knows, things seem to get a little bit more expensive than the than the other way around, and that includes land values and that kind of thing. So, really, just to just to keep up with market demand and what's you know needed for capital requirements out there, increasing the thresholds on these from you know one million to one and a half on the young farmer and young entrepreneur loan, and then the fifty thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand on the starter loan. It's it's honestly just to help keep pace with with what's going on in the industry. Yeah, things are rising ever thus. Yeah, it it doesn't seem to stop. The Young Farmer Loan Program and Young Entrepreneur Loans are offered to those under 40 years of age. There are several potential hotspots for grasshoppers next year. The 2022 grasshopper forecast in Saskatchewan is based on data from more than 1,100 sites around the province compiled by Sask Crop Insurance. Some regions had fields above the 10 per meter threshold, such as the Battlefords, Bjorkdale, Fox Valley, Maple Creek, and Lampman. James Tansy is the Provincial Insect Specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Important to consider the thresholds for most crops are 10 to 12 per square meter, so we exceeded threshold at a lot of the sites that were sampled. The lentil and flax, of course, are more sensitive to grasshopper feeding, uh, and of course this is dictated by species, so if you have two stripe or migratory come in or packards, then they can cause a lot of damage. Packards really likes uh, legumes, the thresholds for these ones are two per square meter. Tansy says the warm weather allowed grasshopper activity to continue well into the fall. Conditions were favorable for egg laying, so that is, you know, a long, uh, warm, dry period in uh, late season. A lot of adults active right into uh, really mid-October. They were looking a little, little worn and a little tatty, but they were still, they were still active. Uh, so egg laying continued for a very long time, so the potential to contribute to next year's population is pretty high. Spring weather conditions will determine what happens with the early grasshopper population. What they found is that earlier hatch results in increased nymphal survival and increased fecundity, uh, and this is determined by temperature. So if we get warm spring with enough moisture to promote early season plant growth, so that the, the, the little ones have something to feed on, uh, then this can promote their survival and uh, lead to uh, greater production of young uh, later in the year. Uh, warmer, drier growing conditions uh, promote more rapid development of eggs, nymphs, and adults, and humid conditions can contribute to fungal outbreaks. So the drier it is, the less likely you're going to have uh, an outbreak of those, of those fungal infections. There are 85 species of grasshoppers, but only four cause significant crop damage. They are the clear-winged, two-striped, packard, and migratory grasshoppers. The two-striped is the most common in our province. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Uh, one of the challenges many farmers face is how do they pass the reins of the operation to a successor? Or how do you get out of the way but not go away? That was the uh, topic my guest Dick Whitman addressed at uh, Farm Business Management Canada's Ag Excellence Conference last month um, in his career. Dick has managed a family-operated 20,000-acre crop, cattle, and timber operation in northern Idaho. Um, He now leads Whitman Consulting, specializing in farm business management and transition planning. And in 2017, he transitioned from CEO of the family operation to chairman of the board. Um, It's always great to have him on Real Agriculture. Hi, Dick. How are you doing today? 
I'm very good. Thank you, Bernard. Hey, now, when you made the transition to chairman, how difficult was the move? And, and as CEO, how do you know when you're ready for the transition? Well, I would say it wasn't difficult. It is a challenge. And even when you know the right processes to follow, it can be emotional. I think it's important in your strategic planning process to look long-term at when when is a good time for the baton to hand off. And that's really a factor, two factors involved. One is at what point do you feel like you've contributed the maximum energy that you could to the role of board of being the CEO or general manager? And have you groomed um, talent in the wings to go ahead and start assuming those roles where you can trans- transition this job without risking the business or risking someone to a premature failure? How do you prepare your firm or organization, you know, for, you know, for that transition? You know, what are some of the business structures and policies you need in place to be successful? Uh, you know, in your presentation, you you mentioned you know business culture and governance as uh, as certainly as key factors. Well, I, I think that's really critical. That if you want to be viewed as a professionally managed business, um, how do you define professional? And in my opinion, it starts with saying. You need to have a professional business culture where there's a clearly defined mission, vision, and core values. There's clearly defined job roles with written job descriptions and clearly defined policies on how you operate. If you have that culture in place, the role of the CEO is already clearly defined. And in addition to that, it should be clear what the skill sets and experiences should be for someone to step into that role with confidence. So I think in our case, um, we, we've had written job descriptions for almost 40 years, and the role of the CEO was clearly documented. We also looked at the fact that this was not going to be an all or none, um, that a new CEO coming in would, would be able to take on most of the roles of the exiting CEO, but some of those duties, um, I remember when my daughter took on that job, she basically said, you know, some of this is above my pay grade. I'm not ready to assume all these duties. So we didn't put the whole CEO role on the plate at one time, but the goal was to transition all those administrative duties off of my plate as as the exiting CEO. And the other part of it is we had already created a new job for the CEO, which was the board chair and transition coach. And the reason, one of the reasons we are very um, transparent about that is that oftentimes the CEO is not exiting ownership. They have a significant ownership investment in the business. And so they have a lot at stake on the financial success of the business. So by having a clearly defined role as board chair and mentor, you're not leaving the business. You're not exiting management. You're just changing hats in terms of the kind of role that you play. Now, you moved from CEO to chairman of the board about four years ago. Tell us, you know, you, you settled in, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, tell us about your role now as chair, how you interact with the CEO and the business team, and is it, exa- is it what you expected? The, the ideal scenario is that you would really move into a coaching, kind of a policy directing mode. The reality is that if you've been in a pretty strong leadership role, it's hard to come to work saying I'm here to help without creating the appearance of micromanaging. So that's been a very delicate balance to try to 
This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source, 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Mainly sunny today, wind up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high today, minus 11. The low, minus 20. Wind chill, minus 22 tonight, minus 30 overnight, risk of frostbite. Wednesday, mainly cloudy. Light snow beginning in the morning and ending in the afternoon. Wind southeast, 30. The high, minus 2. 30% chance of evening flurries and windy. The low, minus 11. Thursday, sunny. The high, minus 6. The low, minus 13. Friday, sunny. The high, minus 7. The low, minus 11. Saturday, sunny, the high minus 1, the low minus 5. Sunday, sunny, the high minus 1, the low minus 8. Monday, partly cloudy, the high minus 2. Normal high is minus 7, the normal low minus 18. The sun rose at 845 this morning. It sets at 455 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot right now, Maple Creek at minus 6. The cold spot up north, Key Lake at minus 39. Estevan is minus 13, Saskatoon minus 17, Swift Current minus 9, Weyburn minus 13, Yorkton minus 16. In Regina with scattered clouds, it's minus 16, that's 3 above Fahrenheit, winds are from the south at 11. Humidity is 80%, the barometer dropping 101.4. Cloudy in Moose Jaw, minus 11, winds are from the south, southwest at 4. Once again, Regina, scattered clouds, minus 16, that's 3 above Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems, expect the best. Incredible stories of hope and resilience coming from southern B.C. as the cleanup continues from three weeks of heavy rain. The province's agriculture minister, Lana Popham, says the industry is beginning to assess losses from the storms, and while some producers are facing a major task of rebuilding, others say they dodged a bullet. Here's part of the minister's news conference. We heard from Harvey Sasaki, the chair of the BC Chicken Marketing Board. He noted that we had 61 poultry premises within the evacuation zone, and amazingly, 97% of the laying chickens survived. We're seeing stories like that come out now. Um, we might have been hearing about turkey shortages, possibilities, but I can assure you that only 2% of the an annual provincial produ production has been lost. And I think this bodes well as we head towards some holiday meals together. I'd like to recognize the collective efforts of all the poultry industry in pulling together and helping one another as we've seen in other industries. I got a bit of good news coming out of the Sumas Prairie. 
One poultry farm, Orania Farms, has finished clearing and sanitizing two of their large poultry barns. Fresh shavings have been laid and they're expecting new chicks. I also got some good news from the dairy industry. 98% of cows from the Sumas Prairie survived the flood. This is really due to farmers working together and communities making sure that they had those farmers' backs. A dairy farmer I mentioned last week who spent 48 hours feeding his cows hay while they stood neck deep in water let me know that as soon as the waters were able to recede enough, the Abbotsford Rugby Association came in and helped them clean up those barns. They cleaned hundreds of stalls and then even assisted the family removing uh, stuff from their soggy basement. And after they did that, they moved on to help other farmers. I've also heard that the hockey team did the same thing. That's an incredible reflection of how a community can get behind the efforts underway. That's BC Agriculture Minister Lana Popham. On Friday, Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebeau took part in a virtual meeting with various farm leaders in B.C. This week, the federal minister will tour some of the hardest-hit areas with her provincial counterpart. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service, ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. The NDP in Saskatchewan is blasting a note from the SAS party government to APAS. APAS issued a statement last week expressing concern that farmers were unfairly being blamed for the provincial deficit. The ministers of finance and agriculture sent a letter to APAS saying there's no blame associated with the legally required financial reporting and APAS is misinforming its members with disregard. The issue came to the floor of the legislature yesterday with NDP leader Ryan Miley saying the Premier should apologize to farmers for a condescending dismissive message and throwing farmers under the bus. Miley says the SAS party financial mismanagement is to blame for the deficit. This condescending dismissive message to farmers, doubling down on this message that it's farmers who are to blame for the deficit, farmers who've just faced the toughest drought year in this entire century. Does the Premier want to take a moment? Does he want to take this opportunity to apologize to the hard-working producers across this province for throwing them under the bus? Premier Scott Moe pointed to continued support for farmers through an enhanced crop insurance program. We have the most robust coverage that has ever been experienced here in this province, Mr. Speaker. It's a, it's a, it's a program, Mr. Speaker. It's 40% funded by farmers, 60% by two levels of government. The fund is fully funded, Mr. Speaker, and it was able to, yes, in what was a very challenging year in agriculture, bring $2.4 billion to the people in this province producing our grains, Mr. Speaker. In addition to that, we provided just shy of $300 million to our ranchers across the province, Mr. Speaker, to support them in what has been an extremely challenging year, Mr. Speaker. And we're going to continue to do that. As I said, as long as we have the honour to be government, to work with our agriculture community as well as the rest of the people in this province. APAS President Todd Lewis said the main issue is accounting used for crop insurance and there was no intention to offend anyone. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. See Nelson GM today. 
Grain prices were mixed in early trading. Viterra prices for canola gained 5.40 at 9.8792. One red spring wheat fell 3.55 at 4.5980. The rest were unchanged. Durham 7.1691. Feed barley 3.8364. Flax 1470.59. Lentils 9.8650. Oats 566.63, yellow peas 623.24, and feed wheat 261.65. At Minneapolis, March spring wheat fell two and three quarter cents at 10.25 a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn 842-4574. Now the latest quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of December 7th. Our last regular sale was on November 24th. The market on slaughter cattle has come up. D1 and D2 cows sold from 62 cents to 72 cents. D3 cows sold from 52 cents to 62 cents. Counter cows sold from 40 cents to 50 cents. And good butcher bulls sold from $1 to $1.15. We had our last pre-sort calf sale of the year here on Monday, 400 450 pound steers average two dollars and thirty two cents and sold it to two dollars and forty seven cents. Four fifty to five hundred pound steers average two dollars and twenty three cents and sold it to two dollars and forty seven cents. Five hundred to five fifty pound steers average two dollars and seventeen cents and sold it to two dollars and twenty eight cents. Five fifty to six hundred pound steers average two dollars and four cents and sold it to two dollars and fourteen cents. Six hundred to six fifty pound steers average a dollar ninety five and sold it to two dollars and seven cents. Six fifty to seven hundred pound steers averaged a dollar eighty eight and sold up to a dollar ninety nine. Seven hundred to eight hundred pound steers averaged a dollar seventy seven and sold up to a dollar ninety four. Depending on the weight, heifers were twenty to thirty cents back from the steers. Some of the highlights from the sale were a load of five hundred pound black steers at two dollars and twenty eight cents a pound. A load of 550-pound black steers at $2.14 a pound. A group of 600-pound tan steers at $2.03 a pound. A group of 650-pound tan steers at $1.97 a pound. A group of 700-pound tan steers at $1.93.5 a pound. And a group of 770-pound exotic steers at $1.86.5 a pound. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets the cattle and the prices too. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices, 166.10 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. SASTEL has announced 24 communities will receive infinite service as part of the fourth phase of its $100 million rural fiber optic initiative. SASTEL intends to begin construction in these communities next year to have the majority of residents and business fiber ready by the end of 2023. In the Southern Grain Belt, the communities include Assiniboia, Karenport, Davidson, Regina Beach, Gravelberg, Rokenville, Gull Lake, Outlook, Kipling, Oxbow, and Wadena. SASTEL Minister Don Morgan says the Rural Fiber Initiative will allow tens of thousands of rural families and businesses to receive advanced fiber optic broadband infrastructure to connect in the modern world. The 2020 Rural Fiber Initiative is designed to bring improved service to over 60,000 residents spread across 45 rural communities by the end of 2023. 
A truckload of 6,000 bags of PEI potatoes has left Charlottetown for the 1,300-kilometer journey to Ottawa. The island's potato industry will join provincial government and industry leaders to hand out potatoes to the general public to highlight concern over Ottawa's ban on exports of PEI potatoes to the U.S. The public support to highlight the two-week major trade issue will be held tomorrow in Ottawa. The potatoes were banned over concern about potato wart. It's unsightly but can be processed enough to enable sale of the potatoes. On the markets, the TSX is up 342 points at 21,203. The Dow has gained 531 points at 35,758. Oil has risen 325 to 72.74 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is up 63 one-hundredths of a cent at 79.01 cents U.S. That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.